0: Matthew chapter number 4 today we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday or last week excuse me We looked at Matthew 3, the baptism of Jesus, and then we looked at Matthew 4, began looking at his temptation, and we didn't quite get through all of that, so I want to draw a couple of things out of Matthew chapter number 4 still. Uh, But uh, Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 1, we said, Then was Jesus led up into the spirit, into the wilderness, to be tempted of the devil. And he had basically received his calling, his commission. Into his ministry through his baptism by John and uh, great victory. And now there was going to be a time of testing, and the devil was going to come to his life. God was going to allow it. The Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And so God was going to allow there to be a testing, uh, a time of testing in the life of Jesus. And we began looking at that last week. We said a couple things about uh, the temptation of Jesus. First of all, each one of the devil's attacks first attacked Jesus. Deity, His deity, the fact that he was God. And that's going to be one of the first things that the devil uh, makes us question. Is Jesus really God? Is he, is he God? That's the attack that many of the world's religions will place upon Jesus, that he was a good man, that he was a prophet. Uh, but they, uh, they leave the fact that Jesus was God. And remember, if Jesus is not God, then your salvation and my salvation is in jeopardy. Uh, it means nothing. Jesus had to be God. He had to live a perfect sinless life. He was the only one that could live that life that you and I should have lived to die the death that you and I deserve to die to give us his righteousness. And so Jesus had to be God. That was his first attack uh, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, making Eve question what God said and his authority. And so uh, Jesus' deity was the first attack of the devil. Uh, We said, secondly, uh, and I didn't put this one in there, but uh, each of the devil's attacks purposed to cause Jesus to act by himself, independent of the Father. Uh, he was trying to get Jesus to be separate from God the Father, to change bread in, or stones into bread and to feed himself uh to cast himself off the temple and 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 make God, force God's hand, if you will, to protect him. Uh to worship the devil and receive glory and honor that was due him and would be given to him after he accomplished the purpose and the will of the Father. But the devil wanted to give it to him right then. And so the devil's attacks was for Jesus to operate by himself. And we said last week that temptation is an invitation to separate yourself from God. If sin is separation from God, which it is, uh, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, then temptation, the opportunity to sin, is an invitation to separate yourself from God. And we said that when the devil offers us something, That is wrong, obviously. That goes against what God's word says. That is not the will of God. We are turning our back on God and we are pursuing after that and leaving him behind, leaving the will of God behind, leaving the word of God behind, leaving the leading of the Holy Spirit behind. We're separating ourselves from God. And can I say this too? That it also separates us from others. Uh, Temptation is an invitation to separate ourselves from God, yes. But it's an also invitation to separate ourselves from others. Uh, We all know that if we decide to do something, it may hurt or hinder relationships that we have. It may hurt or hinder uh, friendships that we have. If we choose to be dishonest or if we choose to be deceitful, or if we choose to be critical or if we choose to have a bad spirit uh, or if we choose uh, to to not live with integrity, uh, that's going to separate us in relationships that we have. Uh, It's going to hinder our ability to have influence or ministry in the future. Now, we know that God can restore relationships. We know that God's grace is greater than all our sin. And so he can allow us opportunities in the future despite our failures. But in the immediate, in the, in the short term and, and sometimes long term, there can be separation there when we choose to follow that temptation. And we said, uh, we, we, we wonder why, if we know that sin is separation, and we know that then temptation is the opportunity, or the invitation to be separated from God and from others, then why do we do it? If, 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 if God, and we would all agree, his will is perfect, his will is best, the word of God is what we need to follow, his leading is what we need to obey, then why do we purposely choose to turn our backs on that and walk the opposite direction and separate ourselves from God by following sin? Why do we do that? Well, the appeal is that it makes us better. That's why we do it. Because deep down inside of us, to our core, naturally, we are out looking for number one. That's, that's how you and I are naturally wired. That's, how, that's what sin has done to us. That's how we're born. We're naturally selfish. We're naturally prideful. We're naturally looking out for number one. And so when an opportunity comes, it doesn't matter who it comes from, when an opportunity comes to make ourselves better, oh man, I'm all about that. Why? why are there so many self-help books? Why are there so many different types of diets and, and, and workout regimens? And, 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 and why do Instagram influencers have such a pull on people? Why? Because everybody wants to make themselves better. We're looking for a way to make ourselves better. And there's nothing wrong with making ourselves better. But if that becomes the us from being separated from God, that's a problem. But the appeal for the devil to Jesus was to make himself better. At this point, you're hungry, Jesus. So turn stones into bread. <laughs> that's going to make things better. Uh, you, you, you are going to have to face a cross one day, Jesus. You know what that's going to entail. You know the pain. You know the suffering. You know the rejection of your creation. You know the mockery that you're going to be made. You know the fact that you are going to have to be separated from God the Father one day. So instead, why don't you just bow down and worship me? We'll, we'll circumvent all of that, and I'll give you everything right now. I'll give you all of the, the, the tongues confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and the knees bowing down before you. I'll give you all of that now. I'll make it better. That was the appeal. That was the appeal to Adam and Eve way back in the garden. When, Adam, or when the, the devil came to Eve and said, why don't you eat of the fruit? Because in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God's. That's better. The appeal was to be better. The problem is, the reality is that life is about to get much worse. Why? Because the Bible says that sin, while it brings pleasure for a season, when it is finished, it brings what? Death. It brings death. That's the end result of sin. That's the end result of separation from God. The wages of sin is death. The end result of sin is separation from God for all eternity. But at least in this life, for those of us that are saved, that we don't have to worry about that eternal separation. It's still a separation, an interruption in our relationship with God. Sin is a separation. Uh, So we need to make sure that we understand that. Now, as we look at the example of Jesus, let's get back to Matthew. We're caught up from last week. Jesus, the perfect son of God, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. But the perfect son of God is presented as a man with these same opportunities that you and I face. The opportunities to make ourselves better. The opportunity to be separated from God. Now, we know that Jesus did not sin. So how did Jesus defend himself, how did Jesus combat the attacks of the devil? Well, look at Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4. This is Jesus, but he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So after the devil says, hey, I know you're hungry, you haven't eaten in 40 days and 40 nights, so why don't you go ahead and take these stones right here. They're looking appetizing, aren't they, Jesus? Turn them into bread, fresh, warm bread, hot bread, you know, a little butter on it, a little honey, you know, those rolls from Lambert's. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, why don't you turn it into to bread, Jesus? And Jesus said, But as is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Uh, the devil took Jesus up to the, the pinnacle of the temple, the high, high point of the temple, and said, Jesus, why don't you cast yourself down? The devil even tried to use scripture against Jesus here. He said, uh, Look, you know, the Bible says that God's not going to allow you to be hurt. He's going to give his angels charge over thee. He's going to catch you if you jump. He's, he's, he's not going to allow you to, uh, uh, to miss out on your purpose. And what does Jesus say in verse number 7? Jesus said to him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So the devil tries again for that third time. He takes Jesus to a high, high mountain. We don't know where it was, Mount Everest. Some, some high, high peak where he could see all the kingdoms and nations of the world. And he said, if you bow down to me, I'll give all of this to you. And Jesus says in verse number 10, Then say Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The response to the attacks that the devil brought to Jesus, Jesus' response, was the word of God. It was the word of God getting his focus and attention back on God. Do you see that, each one of those? It is written, so there's the Word of God, but then the scripture that he used said, I'm going to get my focus and attention back on God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I want to be listening to God. It is written, the Word of God. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I want my relationship with God to be right. verse number 10, it is written, thou shalt worship. I'm going to worship God only. My relationship with the Lord will be right. So Jesus combats the devil with the Word of God, making sure that that opportunity to be separated from God is eliminated. I'm going to be running towards God instead of running away from God, the Word of God. The Bible tells us throughout its pages that it is the weapon of the Christian. It is the weapon of the believer against the attacks of Satan. What does he say uh, in Ephesians 6.17? Going through all of the the pieces of the armor of God, everything that you and I need to do to defend ourselves against the spiritual battle in which we're engaged, Ephesians 6.17 says, "And Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It is our weapon. It is our defense. It is our attacking weapon. It's what will drive away the devil. It is what will eliminate that opportunity to separate from God. And it's going to bring us back to our relationship with him. And this is the thing that we need to remember. Because you and I face temptation every day. Every day we face temptation. You face temptation already this morning. You'll face temptation this afternoon You'll face temptation this evening. This week will be filled with temptation. If you are going to defend yourself, if you are going to overcome that temptation, if you are going to, instead of being invited to separate yourself from God, you're going to be engaged in being closer to God, the defense against that is found outside of you. It's not within you. It is not you. Uh, you will not be able to overcome temptation by yourself. You will not be able uh, to defend yourself against the opportunity to separate yourself from God. Why? Because you by yourself wants to take that appeal to be better. You want to be better. You by yourself want to be better. And so when the devil gives you an opportunity to be better and in turn separate yourself from God, you're going to take it every single time. The defense that we need is found... Outside of us, we are the problem. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? The mind is the battleground and you and I need something that is going to give us a renewed mind, an edge, if you will, in this spiritual battle. And that is the word of God. Uh, It's not going to come by self-will or striving to be a better you. That was the appeal in the first place. For Jesus for Adam and Eve, the appeal to be better was what led them, or was what, what the opportunity was, to lead them away from God. So we need something that is better than us. So look at James 4. Look in the middle, it says, "Resist the devil and he will flee from you." Oh, that's good. We like that. When the invitation to separate ourselves from God comes, we want the devil to leave. At that first part. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. It's not your power, it's his power. It's not your will, it's his will. It's not your ability, it's his ability, the Holy Spirit living within you that allows you to overcome the temptation. If you try to do it in your own power, if you try to grit your teeth and just make it through, and I'm going to do right, and I'm going to do right, and I'm going to do right, but you don't ever ask the Lord for help, you don't ever consult the pages of Scripture to help you get through it, then I'm sorry, it's not going to be long before you're going to wake up and realize, man, where am I? And how did I get here so far from God? Because the defense against the invitation to separate yourself from God is found outside of us uh, listen, a spiritual defense is required for a spiritual attack a spiritual defense is required for a spiritual attack again you you can't and and I'm look I'm look I'm for social media and for those that that try to help us have good thoughts about ourselves and trying to be better and trying to choosing to succeed and trying to overcome. And look, we need to have the right mindset. And the Bible even talks about speaking to ourselves correctly. But the basis for that must come from this. The basis for that must come from here. You will not overcome temptation. You will not overcome the opportunity to separate yourself from God and live a victorious Christian life in your own power. Or in your own mind. What does Jesus say in John 15? Without me, ye can do nothing. can do nothing. Without me. Uh, that, that's, nothing covers a lot of things, but it's a waste, all of it. Nothing is that, that old Bible word that we see all the time, vain, empty, Worthless. Jesus said, you can do a lot of things, but it's going to end up being nothing. And you're going to get down the road one day, and you're going to look back and think, where's God? Because you have separated yourself so long trying to defend yourself by yourself. And let me say this, okay, in that spiritual defense, they say this in some sporting events and in the sporting world, but the best defense is a good offense. That's defense is a good offense. And so when it comes to the defense against the spiritual attack, it takes an offensive weapon. Realize that, that yes, we have the shield of faith. But God says, my my word is a sword. It's not a shield. It's a sword. It's an offensive weapon. I don't know about you, but if I have a sword in my hand, I'm not going to just try to use it to block stuff coming in. I want to stick somebody with it. I don't want to just use that as a defense. I want to go on the offensive if I have a sword. And God says, my word is a sword uh, because that's what Jesus was doing. See, if we try to do things in our own power, in our own strength, in our own might, the devil gives us an opportunity to be separated from God and we, kind of, we try to come up with our own ideas and our own thoughts about who we are and how we're going to do this. The devil is a master at taking those thoughts and twisting things and making them be deceit and making them become lies and making us believe lies. And sooner or later, we don't even know what we believe. But when we base what we think on truth, now that's something to stand on. See, when Jesus... When Jesus was confronted by the devil and the devil said, you know, do this, Jesus, turn those stones into bread. Jesus did not just ignore him. Jesus didn't just turn his back and think, I don't have to listen to you, devil. Devil, I don't have. I don't, you're not there. If I don't look at you, if I don't look at those stones, they're not there. You're not there. Jesus didn't do that. See, when the devil came at him, Jesus went on the offensive against the devil. Now, it was his defense, but he went on the offensive. He said, "Uh, excuse me, devil, it is written. Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So for you and I to overcome temptation, it requires to go on the offensive against the devil. Now, that requires for us to know this book. That requires us to have a relationship with this book. That requires us to read this book and study this book and know when those opportunities come what we need to use. You know, I would, I would dare say if you handed any of us in here a sword, an actual sword, we're not going to be able to do much with it. I mean, we can throw it up there and we can hit things with it. But to actually be a master swordsman and use it, you know how you see in the movie and they're flying around and they're all choreographed and they don't cut themselves. Uh, some, somebody in here is using a, losing a hand. Uh, but if we train with it and we practice with it and we use it in easier combat, then pretty soon we'll be good with it. We'll be able to use it. And that's what we need to do with the sword. What does the Bible say in Psalm 119? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? cleanse his way overcoming sin by taking heed thereto according to thy word verse number 11 there at the bottom thy word have i hid in mine heart that i might not sin against thee the defense against sin and temptation is the word of god now i want to say this too about jesus being tempt of the devil Because while we read this right here in Matthew 4 and several of the other Gospels, this specific account of the devil tempting Jesus, in Matthew it reads that he leaves and then the angels come and minister to Jesus. But in Luke, there's an interesting reference at the end of Luke's account of this. Luke 4.13 says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, look at the end of that, he departed from him... For a season. For a season. Now we don't know how long that season was. We don't know if it was a day, a week, a month, a year, two years. But it leaves the end open to tell us that he came back. And so this was at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, this is the common time when we think of Jesus being tempted, the devil three times. Jesus, that's the temptation of Jesus. But that wasn't the only time. That wasn't the only time. Jesus was tempted throughout his entire life. The Bible says in Matthew 16, 23, but he turned and said unto me, uh, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Here, when when Jesus is talking about what he's going to do at the end of his life and he's going to go to the cross and he's going to be sacrificed and he's going to die for all the sins of mankind and then Peter, thinking he's all big and bad and he's going to tell Jesus how to live his life, he says, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And so Jesus realizes that this is Satan through Peter trying to tempt Jesus to be separated from God's will for his life. And so he says, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of men, but those that be of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, for we have not an high priest, that means we do, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, which we do, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin see this is a wonderful thing and i want you to i want to draw his attention to the this fact about jesus and his temptation because yes we look at jesus t- temptation and we draw from it the example from which we can overcome and resist temptation as well we know that The devil's going to attack Jesus' deity. We know that the devil's going to try to appeal to us being better and separate us from God. We know that the word of God is our defense, our offense against that temptation. And that's all wonderful. But I want to draw this bigger picture look at Jesus' temptation. Because, yes, it's an example for us to follow. But it for sure is a victory for us to rejoice in. Think with me. Okay? All the way back to the beginning. When God created Adam and Eve, what happened? They failed. Then God brings his promised people, Israel, out of Egypt into the the wilderness and to the promised land. But all along the way, what did Israel do? The entire time, they failed, and 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 they failed. And they kept on failing. They failed. You and I, we are born by ourselves on a road to failure we fail we fail all the time by ourselves but can I encourage you this morning by saying that Jesus did not fail Jesus did not fail when you read the story of Jesus being tempted in Matthew 4 and the other Gospels you need to shout And be thankful that Jesus did not fail. Because we we read that story all the time. It becomes so familiar to us. And we think, oh, of course, Jesus did not fail. No. That is. You need to realize how significant it is that Jesus did not fail. Listen, Jesus is the only firm against temptation. The only one. Nobody else did. You and I don't. Not a single person has ever stood firm his entire existence against temptation except for Jesus. And we'd be thankful for that because he did because we don't. He did because we, humanity, mankind, did not. Jesus did. Jesus lived the perfect life that we failed to live and died the guilty death that we deserve to die. Now, any of us, Moral failures, and we are failures by ourselves. that's how we are born. sinners, failures. We can receive His perfect record in place of our own. Listen, when you, when you read that story of Jesus, and he uses the word of God to overcome temptation, And that verse in, in, uh, in, in Hebrews that said he was in tempted in all points yet without sin. Hallelujah. Why? Because that means that your salvation is secure. Because Jesus could be the one to offer you His righteousness. Jesus could be the one to pay for your sins. Jesus could be the one to offer you His sinless record. And so we follow His example not to become righteous, But because of his obedience and his sacrifice, we've already been made so. So I I want you to to look at that story of Jesus and his temptation in a new light. Yes, the example for us to follow, but man, the victory for us to rejoice in. Because that's just a small picture. That's what we see of Jesus overcoming temptation. But because Jesus did that, you and I can now have his righteousness. Jesus and his perfect record. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Because He knew no sin. He could take out all of our sin and give us all of His righteousness. It's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Now, let me say a few things real quick until we finish up Matthew 4. Because at the end of the chapter, we go into Jesus ministry. He begins his earthly ministry. He's baptized, his calling, his commission. He's gone through this period of trial and testing, and now he's ready to launch out into his ministry. And so look at Matthew 4.12. 4, the 12. says, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtalim. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And it's interesting that Jesus starts his ministry here in the northern part of Israel, Nazareth, where it was from, but in Galilee, where there was a mixed population. There were Jews, obviously, but there were also Gentiles living there. And the Jews and the Gentiles, in some cases, had intermingled and intermarried. But there were, there were people that were not just Jews in Galilee. And that's significant. Because as we remember back when we studied Matthew chapter number one, in Jesus' genealogy, remember we said there were five women in it, and, and four of them had connections to Gentiles. That Jesus had come for all people, that he had come for all races, that he had come for all nations, that he had come for all tongues, that Jesus had come to save them. Then we see in verse number 16, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. Verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to preach. Oh man, first of all, just The thought of Jesus the preacher. We know Jesus is the teacher. We know his parables. But thinking Jesus the preacher, now that's a thought right there. And to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Jesus, that's that's verbatim the exact same message that John the Baptist gives in Matthew chapter number three. Jesus is continuing the same message. The continuity there. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's setting the stage right here, right at the start of his ministry. This is Jesus by himself. We usually think about Jesus with the 12 disciples and the crowds and the multitudes following him. This is Jesus right when he's getting started, all by himself. And he's preaching and he's setting the stage for the ministry that's going to be continued even by his disciples after he leaves. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Jesus is starting the Great Commission right here at the beginning of his ministry. By preaching to all nations. And so it's here that Jesus calls his first disciples in Matthew 4, 19. And he saith unto them, this is talking to Peter and Andrew at the seashore there in Galilee. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Let me say this and then we'll be done. Jesus' first call to his disciples was to follow. That was it, to follow. Jesus did not start out with the Great Commission. Jesus did not look at Peter and James and John and Andrew on the seashore and said, hey guys, go ye therefore into all the world. He didn't start with that. He just said, follow me. Follow me. I'm the focus, guys. I'm the the one you need to be with. I'm the one that you need to listen to. I'm the one that you need to obey. I'm the one that you need to learn from. I'm the one that you need to watch and observe and follow my example. I'm the one that you need to follow. And then I'll make you what you need to become. He did not say to these guys, hey guys, I want you to be fishers of men. Become fishers of men and then follow me. Mm -mm. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I think we need to remember something that we get focused on trying to become the best fishers of men that we can be and we forget that we need to just follow him. We need to just follow Him. We need to be with Him. We need to allow Him to change us. We need to allow Him to speak to us. We need to allow Him to lead us. We need to allow Him to guide us. We need to watch His example. We need to read His words. We need to be where He is, and He'll make us what He wants us to be. I think that's so important. Uh, I don't have time to go into the rest of this, but as Jesus, as we follow Jesus, He'll make us what we need to become. He'll give us a love for the multitude. He'll help us focus on people. He'll help us proclaim the gospel. And he'll help us be closer to him.